0: You're listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIner, a place for you to find encouragement to fully live your uniquely beautiful life.
1: Hi friends, welcome back to the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast. I'm your host, Heather McIner, and I'm so glad you're tuning in. I want to thank you for joining us here each week as we bring you messages of redemption and beauty from real life stories in hopes that you will go out and live your own uniquely beautiful story. Our podcast is brought to you by Cedar Creek Dental Associates. If you live near Oklahoma City and you're looking for quality dental care, be sure to check out their website at okcsmile.com. I promise you'll find an amazing staff, a gorgeous office, and most importantly, excellent dental care to keep you smiling for years to come. Also, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, it would mean so much if you would subscribe, give us a review or a rating, and we'll take your five stars if you want to pass them on to us, and definitely pass an episode over to a friend so that others can be encouraged by these uniquely beautiful stories. Friends, you're listening to episode 37, and today I have three beautiful guests. Yes, you heard it, three. It is a party in here, guys. (laughs) This is our second Enneagram episode. I'm calling this the Enneagirls Return Plus One. So our first Enneagram episode was episode 18. If you haven't caught that one, go on back and check out episode 18. And today we're going to dive a little deeper into all things Enneagram. We've got hillary glaze hillary had her own episode which was number 12 and then claire westbrook and she also had her own episode which was number 16 so definitely check those out if you have not heard their stories and now we're adding one more expert to our lineup joanna wilcox who also had her own episode which was number 30 so welcome back ladies all of you This is really fun, and I, um, as you guys know, I asked our listeners to throw us some questions about the Enneagram. We had a great response from that first episode. And some people were just like, okay, I'm scratching the surface here. I've got questions. And so I know you guys hesitate for me to say that you're experts, but in my little world, y'all definitely know a lot about the Enneagram. You've all been very helpful um, helping me understand it. And so I consider you experts. So I'm excited to have y'all here. Before we jump into the listener questions, though, I want you to each introduce yourself and tell us what Enneagram number you are, and then let me know how and when you got turned on to the Enneagram. So, we'll start over here with Claire.
0: I am Claire Westbrook, and I am an Enneagram 1, which is the reformer or the perfectionist. And I first learned about the Enneagram because my mother-in-law gifted me the road back to you, December of 2016. <laughs> I just... Was eating it up like it was. It was so fascinating to me, and I just jumped in after that point and loved it.
1: I love that. And the road back to you, we referenced in our first episode. So yes, the road yes, back to yes. you is more like the overview kind of, of, the of the all introduction. Yes, intro to all things Enneagram. Right. So, yes. what number yes. did you identify with that in that one?
0: So I, I knew I was a one pretty quickly. It was not, it was not hard for me to figure that out. Um, but it, there were so many different little pieces that resonated. Like there were just little things that sealed the deal. And that was 2016. So was about 2016. three
1: years now you've yeah. been continuing to learn and grow and dive yeah. in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. Yeah. What about Hillary?
2: Hi, I'm Hillary Glaze, Heather's sister. <laughs> Don't remember where I first heard it, but I kind of was hearing about it. So about six years ago, I picked up the Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, and I did not do very well with that book because (laughs) when I read it, I thought I was a nine. (laughs) And I wouldn't say a nine is the furthest thing for me, but I am a seven, uh, which can be known as the enthusiast. If I would have really read the book, I don't think I could have landed on that. So I read that book and thought I was a nine, then I thought possibly I was a two. (laughs) And then, um, really actually, I think once I was able to be ready to hear the information, I mean, I think I I was open and willing, but I think maybe I just wasn't in a place to really be self-reflective or, um, hear the information in the right light. But I had a wonderful friend, Claire, to walk through some stuff with me and then, um, after talking with her a little bit and then reading a couple more books, having I mean, the seven just makes all the
1: sense. I am so not surprised that you said six years ago. Cause to me that feels like that was like before <laughs> anybody knew who what it was. And I always say you're like my pop culture sister that just keeps me in the loop about everything cool. And you and I always say like, Hill, tell me about this, and you laugh at me for asking you about everything. But I this just goes it just goes right along with it that you like literally Knew about the enneagram before. I felt like it was even like a buzz in oh, Oklahoma. So I mean, I might
2: have known about it. I I needed a little bit more time to like let it in. Well,
1: maybe that's a seven thing to be like in the know of all the fun things, or maybe that's just a Hillary thing. that scratched the I,
2: surface,
1: and it took a while to get deep. To. <laughs> hey, well, I love it. I love it. Okay, and our new enneagram girl, new to this podcast, yeah. Joanna.
3: Yeah, uh, Joanna Wilcox is my name, and um, I am a three, uh, the Achiever. And I was so confused first walking into this. I didn't know what it was or why. Like, every time I took a test, I was, like, getting a different answer. Um, and Claire walked me through a lot of it. I think I really thought that I was a nine, the peacemaker, and then I thought I was a seven, the enthusiast. And even as I read, like, The Road Back to You, I still felt a little confused on mm-hmm what I was until I started listening to some podcasts and like hearing stories. And uh, I feel like then I thought, oh, oh, no, (laughs) it was like this, (laughs) this like feeling of terror of, oh, my gosh, that is like what I feel like. And that is how competitive I feel. And um, yeah, I think initially with the like kind of like workaholic thought process, I didn't think that that was me. Um, but there, there are facets of that, that Mm -hmm. I really identify with. And it's been really eye-opening. I think, just to, of ways that I didn't have a lot of self-knowledge that I thought Mm. everybody kind of ran, how, how I run. And, um, so that one. yeah, I think Claire, you may have been the first person that kind of talked to me about it. Um, Mm, and I'm not sure. And the three of us went back and
0: forth a lot. Yes in the beginning as far as you had a lot of patients
3: with you did
0: oh I loved it when I loved it it was so fun hearing you guys decide and answer questions and sometimes you were the same number you know you like there were moments where it's like you thought maybe you were the same and so yeah it was it was fun it was fun to be part of you were really patient yeah Yeah.
1: so that's why I have you three on here because y'all not only are you different numbers You've all really done like a lot of deep diving to understand yourselves first and then just understand the Enneagram in general. Um, Hill has told me about like y'all's little triad here that you guys represent each of the, you know, different types of personalities, I guess you would say on the Enneagram. And you guys work so well together and you finally were like, this is why we work well together because we each bring these things to the table, you know. So I'm super excited to have each of you and just your, your knowledge, your background, um, just for context. I am an Enneagram 3, and on our first podcast, I thought I was a, one, a 2. So I'm hearing a theme here that we all kind of had to. I mean, Claire, you discovered pretty quickly, but um, Hillary, Joanna, and I all kind of had to do a little bit more digging. And Joanna, I'm like you, and I, I heard Achiever. I just didn't feel in my head, it was like, like a woman in a boardroom or something, you know. So I just wrote that one off at first. I think it's funny that or interesting that you and Hill both said maybe a nine, because I have also heard that like, specifically Christian women will think, Oh, I'm a two or I'm a nine, you know, those are qualities that, you know, these are the things we think we need to bring to the table. And so um, so if you're listening and you heard the first one, I am not a two, I am a three. <laughs> and I at first even thought I was a three with a two, re- two wing, and we'll get into all this. Now I actually feel pretty confident that I'm a three with a four wing. And even that, I kind of hesitated a little bit. Just I didn't feel like I fit that whole thing. So we're going to get into that, listeners. We're going to get into how do, what do you do when you identify with different numbers and what do wings mean and all that. So let's jump in. Um, our first listener question was why does the Enneagram strike such a personal chord as opposed to other personality profiling systems that are more of a factual response? And I think this one came from a listener who was hearing about, um, like hearing someone share about the Enneagram and even like teared up. Like it just it, it felt close to the heart. Whereas maybe when you hear someone talking about like their Myers Briggs numbers or the you know, some of the other personality profiling, you don't feel like, oh, I'm going to cry <laughs> right now. You just feel like, yeah, that's me. And so how have you guys seen that relate to and strike something more tender in us? What do you, what do you guys think the reason for that is?
3: I, I think it's because it shows your dark side. Like when you, you know, find out you're like an extrovert or you're, you know, you do strengths finder and you find out all your strengths. And I think the uh, the unhealthy side of you feels very personal and you kind of see your room, room for improvement or at least, yeah, I feel like at least that was for me. It's a lot, it's a lot harder to hear that I can sometimes deceive people than it is to hear that I'm an extrovert. Mm, and um, yeah, yeah. And
0: I, I do think that part of it is just getting down to the motivation versus the behavior. And
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think when you're being told bullet points of, Things that you do, that's maybe not as shocking, Hmm. but hearing why you're doing the things that you're doing is kind of, it can feel like a gut punch if you aren't aware of that. So Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that's part of it. And then I also think that because your Enneagram number doesn't change throughout your life, I just feel like there's an amount of, I don't know, I think it can feel overwhelming because it's its encompassing like your childhood to now, Mm -hmm rather than like you can take some personality tests and get different results. You are changed. Your behaviors do change, Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. motivation is still the same. So I think it's just an important thing. I think it just rings true to people Mm -hmm. in a different way. Yeah, that makes sense. And and they talk about like childhood wounds and
1: things like that. And so you're right. If you're if it's almost like someone's like pressing their finger on a nerve, like that, like they're going back to things that were painful, but in a good, but for a good reason, you know, to, to allow those things to make us who we are. But yeah, we all avoid the negative. We don't want to feel that pain on purpose. And so that's a good point that it, it encompasses your whole life, but it is going to touch on some places in your life that were tender.
0: Yeah. And it's inviting you to grow and it's inviting you into growth versus just Presenting you with some facts about your behavior.
1: Um, Well, I know for sure I have been one that has teared up hearing people talk about their Enneagram. uh, And part of me was even like this understanding that I'm not alone. Like when I heard someone talking about how they respond in a situation or what they're thinking or what they need from others. And they're saying out loud what's been in my head. It's interesting how it touches on those things. I would also ask because there are so many profiling systems and you know we've even just alluded to a few of them right now but we did have one of our listeners say why does knowing your Enneagram number even matter and then a second listener said why is it such a big hype right now because as we talked about in our first episode the Enneagram is not new and we gave a little bit of background in episode 18 so you can go back to that it's not new but it is it's really popular right now we've talked about why, how it resonates with our heart, but like, I guess let's even go back further. Like, why does it even matter at all? How has it been helpful, I guess, for you guys to know your Enneagram number and then maybe following that up with why do you think it's become such a cultural buzz right now?
2: Well, I think what they were just saying about why it matters, it gives the opportunity for growth. And so I think when you can look at your tendencies, you can look at um, within the Enneagram, each number has a childhood wound Um, that is associated associated with them and then also a lie that they believe. And so, I mean, that gives such room for grace for yourself and grace for others and then Mm -hmm. room for growth for yourself and then helping others on their own journeys. And so, I mean, I think kind of piggybacking on the previous question, but I think the reason why it matters is because it's not the gospel and it's not perfect and it's not a thing that any of us are going to camp out and say well that can't be true because it doesn't fit in with the enneagram but it offers a template and it offers a way of understanding possibly and a lot of times actually um what's going on in your inner workings and so then that can draw you closer to the lord that can draw you closer to other people and then again just give you that own self-awareness that very often we can be blinded to i mean Hopefully we're all looking to be, you know, healthier and in lots of areas in our lives, but it can just pinpoint those things that maybe we have the blind spots for. I,
3: I love just to jump on what you said, just the empathy that it gives. Helps me with for other people of Mm -hmm. how maybe they handle things differently than I do. Or maybe them, like, withdrawing from a conflict is I can, like, see the benefit of how that, like, I don't know. I just like it has really helped my empathy factor grow to think, why did they maybe do that? Mm -hmm. And, like, what are they afraid of, you know, that made them make this choice? Um, Helps me not feel as frustrated I think mm-hmm. when I'm entering into like some kind of conflict um so I I keep thinking I wish everybody just kind of had like their numbers
2: that you could say oh
3: okay you're acting like this yeah I'm yeah. on your head <laughs> so <we can> know. <laughs> but yeah just helping helping me be more empathetic and look for a way to be more empathetic
2: instead of frustrated I think mm.
0: and I've heard Ian Cron and even uh I was listening to the Brene Brown uh special on Netflix but this idea of you know what is the story that you're telling yourself? What's the narrative that you're telling yourself? And I feel like the enneagram kind of lets you know what that has mm-hmm. been. Maybe you've been unaware, mm-hmm. but then you can, like you're saying, Hillary, you can identify the lies that you've maybe been believing. You know, for a one, it's like I I don't have to believe that I have to keep being good enough, and that I have to work to be good, and I have to, the Lord loves me that I'm a daughter of the king. You know, that is, that's my identity. I don't have to work to be good, but that's a narrative that's been played out. Um, so identifying that and knowing is, is the story I'm telling myself true? Is that also what my friends want of me? Like, do I have to be good enough for my friends? No, that's not, that's not what they believe about Mm -hmm. me. So identifying it and then being able to move past Mm -hmm. that is so helpful. Hmm.
1: I love that you all mentioned the growth aspect, and then even the relational aspect of it. Because um, I remember on our first episode, Claire, you um, quoted—I think it was Suzanne—that um, basically said the enneagram doesn't put you in a box, but it shows you the box you're in, so that you can get out of that box and, right. or you know, work within that the lie you're hearing, you know, the thoughts that are in your head, and. Um, and Hill, you even alluded to how um, it brings you closer to the Lord because he's, he's made us all and he wants us to have this understanding of who we are in him. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that too. And, and what are these lies from the enemy that we're believing? And so I'm thankful that you guys all brought that up um, because I would say, you know, there have been like, those are probably some of the cultural negatives of, you know, well, the Enneagram just tells you like all these things about yourself and then you just sit in that. But that's not the case. Like it's for growth. It's for empathy. It's for change. Um, and then again, you mentioned how the Lord uses the Enneagram. And I've heard you, like Hill, you said, it's not the gospel. And I have heard people say, you know, Oh my gosh, it's such a buzz right now. People are putting too much emphasis in the Enneagram and not on God, you know, but he made us all. Mm -hmm. He wants us to live a healthy version of ourself through him and his grace and his strength. And so this is a healthy tool. Mm -hmm. It's not the end all be all. Um, but why do you think right now there's such a cultural buzz, both positive and negative? Like, why this resurgence 30 years after the fact or whatever?
0: I mean, I think we're always excited to hear about ourselves, this <laughs> bottom line. You yeah. know, I think we're always, even though there are painful things that yeah. enter. I think in some ways, we all like these kinds of things, you know, to feel known or to feel to even just look inward for a second yeah, and not even in a negative way, but just to look inward and, and identify some things. So I, I don't know there, I think there is just, there is a natural desire. And I think a lot of people just to figure things out about themselves. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know why specifically, you know, the Enneagram has suddenly blown up, but yeah,
3: because it is interesting that mm-hmm. it's been around mm-hmm. and yeah. now is the big surge.
0: Mm-hmm. And I do think, things are so polarized and the Enneagram is, is something that moves against that. Yeah. And so I think there's like a natural desire to please let's find compassion for one another and please let's be able to see some gray and find ways to meet one Mm -hmm. another where we are. And the Enneagram is a great path to figure some of that out.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's a good unifier, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you guys have all said, it brings empathy for others. So goodness, we all need that in the world right now. <laughs> well, speaking of the Enneagram, like bringing unity and helping us to see each other and, and um, offer in empathy, there are people who, who struggle with maybe taking a test or doing, you know, reading a little and thinking, oh, I'm a two, oh, I'm a nine, oh, I might be this. And so let's talk just specifically because we may have some listeners that are just jumping in here on this conversation. They didn't hear the first one, they haven't really gone full into the Enneagram. And so let's take them back and explain, first of all, well, and this was the question from one of our listeners. Um, she said, what Enneagram quiz do you recommend and why am I getting different results from different ones? And so I think this will be really great for you guys. Just walk us through that whole path to
0: this knowledge. What's funny is I wrote none. On my <laughs> yeah. The one would yeah. say, uh, uh-uh. uh, none. <laughs> um, although I did, I did initially take a test and, but I got a two. I scored a two. Okay. And that, that is my wing, but, it is not my core number. Um, what's funny is that I totally nerded out. And I was I was telling Joanne and Hillary weeks ago, like, I just want to take all the tests that are out there and record my results just to prove that yeah. this is not helpful to take the test. Um, and I did. I got I did get one a few times. Mm-hmm. I did get two a few several times. And I've gotten six and I've gotten four. You know, it, it isn't going to nail it down because... You can't always identify motivation. You just can't mm-hmm. identify motivation in a written what? test like and that. And just
1: hearing you say that, just knowing you as a friend and a person, all of those make sense if you're just looking at personality. Yes. Like you are a musical, and so obviously you have a creative side, which would be a four. You can tap into your emotions. You can tap, you know, you like that's definitely part of being a writer and um, right. writing lyrics. And then um, a two, obviously, that's your wing. So right. that's helpful. And six, you shared on your first podcast about your anxiety piece, yeah. you know, that, that you've been through in your life. And so, obvi- actually, that yes. all makes sense if you're just looking at personality. Right. So that's a great example.
0: Right. Well, and then one thing we all talked about was even just the kinds of questions that are asked. There was a question on one test that said, I have tended to, and it was, you know, focus on others or focus on myself. And my instinct was focus on others. But my reason for that isn't necessarily because I'm like thinking about how I can serve them and meet their needs. It's because I'm thinking about what do they think of me? How are they perceiving me? Do they perceive me to be for good things and doing the right things? And then Hillary said, I think you said, I would have answered that the same, but for a totally different reason. But
2: yeah, for a whole host of other like Kind of maybe a little bit of that same, like, what do you think of me? Um, but a little bit of, like, how can I help you? But not out of that, too, mindset, but maybe, maybe out of helping you sounds fun right now. It or, um, yeah. So it's just, and I think you said mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: I have thought, I, I want you to, like, think, like, admirably of me. Like, to mm. admire the fact that I'm helping you. Not for it to necessarily be the good thing or the fun thing, but the admirable thing and Hmm. so that was like the it was all the same behavior in all of us like helping but what motivated us to help was all so Hmm. completely different
0: yeah our focus why we're focusing on others would be so different Hmm. and even a question about uh trying new things like do you do you enjoy trying new things something along those lines Uh and i really do there there are certain categories of things I don't want to try, but there are lots of new things that I love. I love trying new things, but Hillary is a seven is going to like trying new things for a different reason mm-hmm. as me. And so anyway, we can all click the same little bubbles mm-hmm. on these tests, but have different reasons. And we, we can't really get to those on a test. And so I love, um, I love that you gave specific
1: questions and how you would each answer it. And certainly there's truth that like, sometimes we think of the test and we're just like kind of lying, like not in a tacky way, but like, we're just answering how this answer sounds the best. And so I'm just going to put this and it's like, we, we know what the like, we want to put our best foot forward. So sometimes on those tests, like we actually are answering wrong, but it's really what we want. Um, but other times we're answering 100% how we feel. But we're t- the way we take that question is like, you just explained three different ways to take the same question. And then none of those were wrong answers. So you're all going to answer whatever, like you said, click the bubble, and the test doesn't know how your head was taking that answer. It just knows, oh, she clicked yes, I think of others. And so that's a great example. Mm-hmm. So do you think the test is um, a useful tool at all? Or, and you may all three have a different answer. Or do you think like stay away from the test altogether? If there's a listener who hasn't even taken the test, like what would you say? Or do you think it can be a helpful tool at all?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say I would, I would stay away because I do think. I just think it can lead you the wrong direction. And even, I mean, even I was saying I was reading a book, not taking an assessment, and I heard certain things, mm. primarily the the title of the type nine, the peacemaker. I was like, well, I hate conflict. It must be a peacemaker. Yeah. Um, but, and then not really looking at the other tendencies within that type. Um, but yeah, if you score highly on one, then you could hold that a little bit tightly of like, well, I like these things about that type. So surely... And really, I mean, if you're trying to morph yourself into something that you're not, it's not going to be helpful at all. True. Um, or you may just end up super confused, like Claire, if you get take different tests and get all these different answers. And I think every time I've taken a test, I come up completely even to seven, nine, every time. Now, for me, it would be easy to look at those three types and find where I am and where I resonate. But, you know, it took some time and. Mean to me I don't like to waste time, so that seems like maybe not a good idea.
3: Well, and I even had, when I had thought that I was a nine, a peacemaker, I kept thinking, like, oh, this is great. I'm, like, a really healthy nine. I'm so healthy. And I think, like, sometimes we want to be, like, the healthy number that we read. And so... Even like taking a test, I guess, I would encourage people, if you think that you are a really healthy version of your number, you probably are the wrong number. (laughs) Um, So maybe look a little bit more because I think we all are doing this really pretty average is what we talked about the other night, that we're all Mm -hmm. kind of averagely sitting in this um, and that this is where we get to grow. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're coming in really healthy, from a test you took, maybe like read some more and see if there's something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And the only place I do think that maybe a test would be helpful isn't actually for the result, but more the questions that are asked. Like, I think that would be something to sit around maybe with your friends and look through, talk about those questions together. Mm -hmm. I think that would bring up some good discussion and maybe even separate out some numbers that you aren't or that you are but that to not really care about the results, like, I think the meat of it is figure out those questions and then talk about them with other people and ask, like, how would you answer that? Well, why would you answer it that way? And that might help you get to your result, you know, better than getting a result at the end of the test.
1: Okay. So. Makes sense. So what I'm hearing is if, if you truly want to know about the Enneagram, if you truly want to know your number... This isn't just like, hey, quick test. Am I an extrovert or an introvert? Am I this or that? Like, this is actually going to be a self-actualization journey, you know? <laughs> so, and I know this, if, if someone has not like gone head first into this, you might be feeling like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Remember, these ladies have been like on this journey for three plus years. So this is not one of those quick tests that you're going to take and then be like, okay, I'm an extrovert and I'm going to move on. This is something that you are going to continue to realize nuggets of truth about yourself and then work through those with the Lord and then just keep growing. And that's why as we dive into these next couple questions that our listeners had, these become very important. So one listener said, can you explain what wings are, which we just barely alluded to at the very end of our first episode. And then another listener said, if I really resonate with two numbers and they're not by each other, so it couldn't be a wing, how can I dial into which one I actually am? So this next part, I want you guys to really get into more of the Enneagram details. And there are things like stances and subsets and all of these things. And so I want you to walk us through um, as simply as possible, just give us an overview of how listeners can can really dive in, because I think that's where you are able to figure out. As I learned more about the three and the four, I was able to go, oh, gosh, I'm a three with a four wing, not a two with a three wing. And but it was it was that more detailed information.
2: Yeah, so simply put, wings are going to be on either side of you. And just like a bird needs to fly with wings, you can't have be a two with a seven wing because that's not right next to you. And I love Claire has said before, it's the flavor of your type. And so it's not changing your motivation. So for me, my wing is within my same triad. So I am a seven with a six wing. I would still be within that fear triad, but if I were a seven with an eight wing, that moves into the anger. It's not that you're a seven that's in both triads. It's that you are still in your same group and you just have some of more of the behaviors of that other type. It's not changing your motivation. It's not pulling from a whole lot other than some personality aspects and the wing is what can take on form differently through your life. So, I am more tended to go towards the six. I have a little bit more of awareness of dangerous situations. Or, I'm, um, I loved, there was one podcast I listened to and it was a seven of the six wing. And she said, I'm going to plan the party, but I'm planning it on the sidewalk. We're not doing it in the middle of the street. And that for sure. When I heard that, I thought, oh my word, I, that is me. And probably not going to go bungee jumping. I'm not going to do these extreme things that even sometimes hearing a seven with an eight wing makes me think, ooh, am I a seven? Cause they, they would do things or possibly think things or react ways that I don't. But it is because of just this other flavor, these other things. And also we're all individuals. Right. To so hear someone who's you know, your type, and they have this whole other life experience, that's great, because that is our own uniquely beautiful dream. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And so, Way to tie that in. I love it. Uh, so, uh, but you also can, when I am showing signs of growth, that would be tapping into that eight side. So as I'm able to have healthy conflict, as I'm able to stand up for justice, as I'm able to kind of move into what that challenger could be, that is showing growth not only within my number ball, so within tapping into that other
1: side of the So you so people can find their wing. It's going to be the numbers on either side. And I think I've heard someone on an Anygram podcast talk about just like a bird needs both wings to fly well, like you are, like you said, Hill, you're gonna actually when you're in your healthy self, you're going to be able to tap into both of those sides. And if it's something that, like you were saying, you feel like I am not able to have healthy conflict, I am not seeing this in myself, that might be a hint Towards, there's growth there. Is that how you would say it? Yeah. Anything else about wings?
3: Well, I was going to say, even I wonder if we could even post a picture like of the Enneagram wheel for if anyone hasn't Perfect. seen it. Of kind of the numbers go like a clock, like all the way around. And then, you know, if it's one o'clock, your wings could be nine or two kind of on mm-hmm. on either side. So I think it helps me to like visualize uh, kind of the Enneagram wheel almost. I feel like that's where... I finally stopped getting as confused um, mm-hmm. because you hear all these numbers like 913. And I, you know, was my first like thing I ever sat in with Enneagram. I had the sheet, and as people were talking, I was like looking at each direction mm-hmm. that where the number was. I think that might be helpful. If you don't know anything about the Enneagram yes. and you're listening to print off the little, I don't know, is it called a wheel? Is it a clock? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's a mental picture. The Enneagram. Yeah, yeah, I, don't I don't know what the name of it exactly. is. It? Well, and
0: also I, I think in the beginning, it's important to not feel like you have to figure out your wing. Mm-hmm. Like I think that can almost cloud your number. If you're just trying to figure out your number, I think you're going to be doing fine. So I think if you're looking at it, Reading everything, trying to figure out, well, am I a this wing, this, or a this wing? Like, I think that can make it trickier. So really just focusing on your number first and then looking at wings. And then the time when it would be helpful is if you have, like, a really heavy wing, like you lean into something where where it almost confuses you, am I a eight wing seven or a seven wing eight? and and that would be something to really dive into. Um, or if you're between two numbers mm-hmm. and you look at either side, which wing is gonna make, which wings make more sense for me, that kind of stuff, I think. Wings come into play and are really helpful. But at the beginning, especially if you're new and you're listening, you're like, so I've got to find a number. I've got to find (laughs) a wing, you know. Yeah. But just to know, find your number first and don't worry about the wings, you know, right right off the bat. Yes.
1: So that's a great point because we did have a listener say, if I'm resonating with two, how do I know which one is me? And, of course, the example you gave, like, eight wing seven, seven wing eight. Well, a good, like, litmus test on that, I guess, would be, So if you're a 7, you would also resonate a little bit with the 6 and the 8. If you're an 8, wing 7, then you would also actually resonate with the 9 as well. And so maybe looking at the numbers on either side of both of those and see, okay, which which two on either side do I resonate a little bit with? Those are probably going to be, so then that one number that's smack in the middle would be your primary number. And so that's a good, but like you said, you, I mean, that's a lot to like get into the wings, but maybe just looking at those numbers on either side to say, okay, which two speak to me a little bit. And then as far as if they're not next to each other at all, so they're not going to be wings. I mean, we all had examples of those nine, well, nine and one are by each other, but like two, nine, seven, and you've kind of already hit on this, but just, just for one more clarifier for this particular question how would a listener dial in to two numbers that aren't even next
2: to each other? So stance, I think, is the best way to go. And so there are three stances,
3: and one is the
2: dependent, one is the withdrawn, and one is the aggressive. Or, as I like to share a little bit more, the indip- uh, independent stance. <laughs> um,
1: so <laughs> because you're not aggressive.
2: So those are not the triads. So the triads go right in order: eight, nine, one, two, three, four five, six, seven, but the stances kind of come across. So again, as Joanna was saying, if you, if you can get a printout, then you can yeah, kind of help you I like with that. This. Um, but with the, the withdrawn stance is nine, five and four. four. Yeah. That was going out of order. I was like, that does not feel right. So four, five, nine. Um, and so if you are thinking, man, a five and a nine, both of those sounds a lot like me, then bingo, you're probably within the withdrawn stance. So that is great because you can learn about that stance and actually find a ton of room for growth. Some of what I found to be more um, impactful has been actually out of my aggressive stance rather than just within my number. So there's tons of room for reading and learning. And again, this might feel overwhelming if you're like, ooh, this is Brand a lot new. of information. Um, but yeah, if you're within, and like even Claire was saying, three of the numbers that come up really high on your tests are all dependent. So then Yes, that's one, a, two, and six. are yeah. So there you go. It's like, okay, you are... And obviously, yes, in the dependent stance, yes. So there are just a lot of things that those three numbers share, which, again, was probably why they came up on these assessments, mm-hmm. that can be really helpful for you to... Once mm-hmm. you have that, then you know, well, there's six other numbers that I'm not, and then that can kind of help you get
0: in. And if you're between two numbers that are in two different stances, like... You guys were talking about being, yeah. am I a seven or a nine? Well, those are different stances. So then I think the work is to learn about stances, figure out what what if that feels true, what if it doesn't feel true, and then that will probably lead you further in figuring out what your number is.
2: And another part of the stances, which we talked about before we started recording, we could spend a third episode talking about orientation yeah. at time. But the stances also have their own orientations to time. So the withdrawn is in the past, the defendant is within the present, and the aggressive is in the future. So again, if you're between two and you think, well, I'm really future-oriented, but I'm between a two and a seven, well then, again, that would click. You're a seven rather than a two that's within this uh, present processing. It's how you're taking in information. It's how you're assessing the things that you need to do are very much within that present moment rather than the past or the future.
1: Gosh, even as you talk about this and the wings, I mean, I feel like I'm getting more of an understanding of why, going back to our very first question, like, why does this strike such a nerve? Why does it strike a chord in our hearts? And where we feel like, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but sometimes I'll hear someone who's a three and they're sharing and I'm like, this person is literally in my head or they are reading my journal. And I think, I feel like this kind of answers the question of why is the Enneagram maybe a little bit more personal than some of those other personality profiling systems? Because yes, you have nine numbers, But then you have also wings on either side. So if you look at the options of the wings you could have, that makes actually 27 different options. So this really does give a lot of room for individuality. So, you know, I think we can feel known and understood as we hear all these different flavors. I think one of you said that. And then, you know, as you're talking about, it also clarifies our orientation to time. So why am I always so focused on the future? Or why does the past trip me up? Or, you know, why am I so in the present that I run late all the time? Cause I'm just all here. You know, like these are things that are in our daily life and you don't think about it being a part of your wiring. So then when someone starts talking about it, it's like, Oh, bingo, that's me. And we talked about it in our last episode, like there's shame, there's anger. These are things that we don't really necessarily love walking around talking about. But when you understand that, Oh my goodness, I'm not alone. This is actually, and this isn't something wrong with me. This is actually a part of my wiring that is there for me to experience growth. That's really freeing. So we're, now we're tapping in, tapping into like spiritual truth and so much about how we are wired that it is personal. You know, it feels, you feel very known and understood. So I really appreciate that hill that you brought to the table just with stance. Orientation of time, like Claire said a minute ago, if you're new and now you're feeling like super overwhelmed, please don't. You have got time to process all of this, but we just want you to know the Enneagram has a lot of depth and that those can be clarifying. Uh, factors in dialing into your number
3: when well, I even feel like as we're talking about like just understanding more of the kingdom of God through this I think if you even just read through the Enneagram and try to think of traits of God with mm. each of the numbers that like brings you closer to the Lord if you think of like the way that God improves things if you think of the way that God's helpful if you think of the way that like God will be victorious in the end mm. and all of these things each again, shows you just how much God loves us, that he created us each with a powerful attribute of his own. You know, we've talked so much about the dark side and the hard things, but then also you get to see like what your strengths are and how you can use that for God's kingdom and how like you are like your father because Mm. of this. So I don't know. I even think if you don't know what your number is, it can help you think about ways that your friends remind you of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I love love that. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And he is expressed in all these ways. These nine, 27, you know, 45, like he's (laughs) expressed infinitely, you know, and he he is, he, we are all made in his image. And so each and every representation of the Enneagram with all their types and wings is a representation of God's great qualities. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, It makes me think of a silly story, but I'm going to share it because I think you guys can understand this as Enneagram lovers. But um, a few years ago, I was hosting this party and it was like a pretty big event and it required like multiple tables and just all these place settings and all these things, all these details. And as a three, I loved it. I'm like, great, I can get this done. But the night of the party, one of our people who was responsible for one of the tables was sick and so she couldn't come. And each table was bringing certain things. Like they were bringing some of their own decorations. And so so basically that would have meant that that table was not taken care of. But really, I think divinely, another lady who was responsible for another table, when she got there, she said to me, I was in Hobby Lobby and I was grabbing stuff for my table. And for some reason, I just grabbed a whole extra table setting. So I've got an extra tablecloth. I've got extra, you know, paper goods. And so for whatever reason, here you go. So she gives me this stuff and I'm like, Thank you, Lord. You care about this party. And in, in my head, in that moment, this was pre-enneagram, I was like, that's kind of silly. Does God really care about this party? In, in the scope of the whole kingdom. Like, does he really care if like this one table looked bare and ugly and the rest of them looked nice? And then in that same moment, you know, this happens in like a split second. I was like, yeah, I think he does. I mean, I think God cares about all those small details. And so as we like began to process and dive into the Enneagram, what struck me was he is the enthusiast. He Like he does care about our the things that we do, like as small or as big as it seems. And I think I was putting God, we actually talked about this in our first episode. I think I was putting him only in the category of only the a holy, really big and sacred moment. And the more I've understood like all these types, like if I care about it, then he cares about it. And I feel like that's just kind of one like example of where I really felt like God showed up and said, I do care that this event goes well for you. I do care that that one table was taken care of and it didn't add stress to your night. And the ladies that were sitting there still felt special because their table was decorated. So I don't know if that resonates with you guys, but (laughs) I feel like we can see him in every facet of life. Okay, so we have talked about, you guys shared how knowing people's Enneagram number really helps you to be empathetic with them, understand them more. So I want to move into, because we had a couple of listeners ask, is the Enneagram only for you or how does it affect your closest relationships? Obviously, we've talked actually just now about our relationship to God, and we talked a lot about that in our last episode. But um, specifically, we had two different listeners talk about how does the Enneagram work with compatibility, like with a married couple. And then another listener said, how has knowing your number plus your husband's number or your closest friends, how has that been helpful? So let's move into, um, we've talked a lot about how self-understanding is just huge and self growth, but then let's carry that over into like our relationships with other people.
3: I, I feel like whoever you're married to, whatever numbers you guys have, whoever you're friends with, I think they can all, like, coexist in a beautiful way. I don't think that there's any numbers that, you know, it's like, warning sign, you do not need to get married. You are not right. compatible. Um, I think really it all just depends on you maybe understanding like how your friend ticks or how your spouse ticks and trying to meet them where they are and understanding maybe where they move in stress. I know that has been really helpful to me. Vince, my husband, we we think he is an enthusiast. We go back and forth between him being a 7 and 8 enthusiast (laughs) and a challenger. But I think when I think of where he goes in stress, I feel like he goes to the one, to the improver in stress. And it is like, like kind of a different shift in his personality when I see him being stressed versus his regular self. And I think just knowing that, that he's going to be really looking at details when he's feeling stressed helps me. It's just, it's like I'm prepared because I know like I need to meet you where you are when you're stressed. And I think probably the same for him, knowing Where I go in stress, Mm -hmm. you know, is a good helper to think she's stressed out and now she's acting this way, which is different from how she typically acts. So just, I feel like it gives you kind of a roadmap, Mm -hmm. um, for all kinds of situations and how to like stay together and how to talk and gives language to maybe a problem that you're having mm-hmm. um, gives you something to talk about, like in a compassionate way instead of an angry yelling way angry. Yeah. And I do think
0: that many of the pieces about anger specifically I don't think I would have arrived at a lot of those conclusions or thoughts without walking through it with Colt. Hmm. I think him being able to identify things like, hey, you seem like you're a little bit on edge. Now, not that that necessarily goes over well every time, <laughs> but yeah. in the beginning it certainly didn't. But I, I know now that there's anger brewing a lot and I don't realize it. Mm -hmm. And so him being able to say, you're acting, you're kind of on edge. Is there like, is something wrong? Did something happen today? And it's not out of an attacking way. It's, it's a, I'm noticing this. Let's talk about it before the lid pops off or before something else happens. And it's the last straw. And that that's really safe, you know, Mm -hmm. to have somebody to do that with. And I can do that with him and, So I feel like that's just one specific example in marriage where I think when we have that knowledge, we know how to move into those conversations Mm -hmm. in a better way. And then I think in friendship, it not only highlights the great things about your friends that it just makes you love them more. I think, um, I just find qualities in my friends that I think, uh, I would just be lost without that quality. I'm so thankful. But specifically as I was driving here, I was thinking about one of my very good friends who is an eight and i asked her for permission to share i was like obviously i'm not going to say your name but can i <laughs> can i talk about you and in true eight fashion mm-hmm. she said she said of course if it's the truth then <laughs> then tell it she's like positive or negative tell it and i said okay <laughs> but since knowing the enneagram we have had more conflict but that's because i think one she probably feels safer to know i'm not going to tiptoe around her I'm not going to feel like I'm too much. Hmm. I'm going to let it out. And then I feel like, okay, fine. Then I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to, I'm going to be brave, say the thing that feels really hard to say. I don't really want to be in conflict. I don't really want to have this conversation, but I'm going to say it. And then things are so much better after. And and so that's just in a relationship with an eight for me, but that goes into other relationships Mm -hmm. too. Not that I'm going to deal with conflict with another number the same way that I deal with conflict with an eight, but I'm still able to say conflict doesn't have to be scary. Mm -hmm. Like it can be really productive and really good and you can come out of it laughing and so thankful that you each decided to be brave and say the hard thing Mm -hmm. and, move, move to the next thing. So mm, and I love
1: that because you know, that your eight friend can handle that conflict and is not going to like hold weird feelings after yes. or whatever and like knowing what each number, like what their strengths are mm-hmm. like you know which friend to do that with mm-hmm. as opposed okay, to yeah. a friend who's going to hold all that in and feel weird for you know wonder if you're mad at her for the next time right. you see her like and so that's really that understanding is really helpful I think
3: Yeah,
1: and isn't Cole, is he an 8? Yes, okay.
0: I know I've got a lot of 8
2: <laughs>
1: yeah yes. so probably though you know what it feels like to process with an 8 and so that's what helps you know that so like if my husband processes this way this friend is going to have some of those same tendencies and so I feel safe here like we can go here and have resolution and be fine
0: yeah and she's done thinking about it when it's over and I also feel the freedom to if I need to because of who I am a few weeks later say are we still okay because that one thing was so are we still fine she typically would probably be a little bit like, of course, we're fine. Why? Why are we bringing that back up? But she knows me. Mm -hmm. She knows how my brain and my heart work. And so that's okay for me to ask that question. It's fine. And she's like, absolutely. We're totally fine. I haven't thought one bit about it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it just it gives you so much more grace for people more room
1: so, Joanna, you are a three. You're married to probably we, a seven. We think a seven. And then Claire's a one, married to an eight. And then Hill, what about your...
2: <laughs> well, I mean, two. I mean, that just needs to go into a whole nother <laughs> hour of conversation. But we have not talked about subtypes. Okay. But there are... And if you just want to be so geeky and live your life only talking about the Enneagram, <laughs> you can dive real, real deep. So, we thought my husband was a three, and then we thought he was an eight, and he has settled that he is a seven, which seems really crazy for two sevens to be married. No. um, But we both have different subtypes. And so, again, this is like really, really high-level stuff. Do not feel like you ever even have to touch it. And even Suzanne Sabil her advice is to not even think about subtypes until you've been studying the Enneagram for two years. And I really understand why. Because it can feel a little bit confusing or it could feel like too much. But on the other hand, if you are looking at all this and any of the advice we've given of looking at stances or wings or triads, if that still is keeping you hung up on what is my type, which was Tyler's situation, he was saying, If I'm an eight, the two, going to two in health and going to five in stress does not really make sense. Being a one, oh, and we thought he was a one too. We thought he was everything. (laughs) Um, One, three, and eight. They all just seemed confusing. And so, um, once he heard about the self-preservation subtype was when it just clicked for him. And so there are three subtypes and they are the same three for each type self-preservation, social, and then sexual, or it could be one-to-one if that makes you feel uncomfortable. And so we are two different subtypes. So I'm kind of between, I thought I might've been the sexual, but the more I learn about the social, it kind of sounds a little bit more like me. And he, there's no question on him, whatever type he is, he is (laughs) self-preservation. And again, those are just these things that the way that, that make you tick. Um, It's not necessarily going to be something that, that changes everything other than if you've really struggled to find your number, this may be that last little layer that, could help you figure it out.
1: And will you touch just for one second on going somewhere in stress and somewhere in health?
2: So each type has their own stress and security. Uh, and the one, they go to seven in security, um, which means that we share a line mm-hmm. that I would go there and stress. And so it stays the same in this really beautiful orderly, which honestly, that's what I was thinking about when we were talking about God. Like even the way that the in end is in set up is this beautiful order that just, mm. is like, he's so smart. And, of course, he's smart. So each one has their stress and their security, and then that shares your line with that other person. So, again, looking at the image of it would kind of help. Uh-huh. But this is another thing of if you're thinking, man, I just, I sound like this type most of the time, but sometimes I'm over here and sometimes I'm over there. So each one, like, for instance, Like I was giving the example, the one goes to seven in security, they go to four in stress. Um, And I love, I mean, we've mentioned Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile quite a bit. We all think that they're really, really wise and have done the work in this, but I love that Suzanne says you, you need both of those numbers to be a functioning person. And so there's a lot of language you might hear health or unhealth. You might
1: hear, I've heard like integrate into this and disintegrate into this. yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: So that you may hear different language, but it's, all talking about the same thing, that you have arrows going to different places. For me, being a seven that goes to one, that helps me function. I mean, I could not be a seven at all times. I'm going to need that five that I go into security. And I need that one tendency to make Certain decisions to do certain things, but Claire and I are going to look very different in the way that we tap into that one that we tap into that seven.
1: It's great, and thank you for for clarifying. Even like I think when we hear the word stress and security, we immediately think so. If we're healthy, then the stress one just doesn't show up at all. Like we're over that stress is is a good natural part of everyday life. So mm-hmm. stress doesn't or even unhealth like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're functioning in a crazy, diseased, and sick way. It's like we all, like you said, we all have that in our even daily life, but especially like in a month or in a calendar year, like we're going to have those stressful moments, but God has wired us that we have a, we tap into a part of our brain and a part of our functioning that gets more things done or withdraws a little bit or, you know, whatever it is, like every number looks different. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
2: And if you do see, if you think you're a number and then you see that you're in this other one for a prolonged matter Mm. of time, then that could also be a way just to stop and think maybe. Maybe that's not a stress or a security thing, but it's that you are actually that number, and then it uh, can kind of be a way to kind of figure things out.
1: Oh my goodness, I love this, y'all. You know- we're just geeking out all over the place and I think it's so fun. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> so I hope our listeners are, um, I hope that you guys haven't gotten lost in all this, but maybe just even encouraged that if the Enneagram has been a smidge confusing for you, we'll get grief, this is why. Just because it's like so detailed and it's so involved, but yet how cool that you, there's so much more to tap into. So, um, hopefully this has been enlightening and encouraging and not <laughs> overwhelming.
2: And one thing that I think whenever I have kind of been confused or I've gotten it wrong I mentioned earlier I hate wasting time but the spin on that is that that is a way to really learn more about something else you Yeah, know, that other type that I possibly in my own tendencies wouldn't have spent a whole lot of time learning about nine well now because I thought I was one for a little while I learned more about it yeah so it is a thing like don't think don't get discouraged if you thought you're one and then even don't be embarrassed if you've told people you're a certain number yeah not. I mean it's it's a journey. It's a really fun way to just learn about each other and learn more about yourself. And it can, it doesn't have to be a something that once you've said it out loud, you have to die <laughs> committed. saying that you were that
1: number. Uh, so you guys are all like very enthusiastic about the Enneagram. Obviously I'm sure that as you're going through life, it's kind of hard to not bring it up. It's kind it's probably, and you know, if, <laughs> if you know, Susie and Sabine, she'll say, don't type other people. And we really shouldn't, but every now and then, I mean, the more you learn about it, you're talking to someone and as they're saying things in your head, you're probably thinking, oh, wow, like that sounds like a three or that sounds like a six. Um, although you're, you're supposed to not say that out loud, but we did have a listener and I love this question and I think we'll end here because I think you guys can relate to this, but we have a listener that was like, how do you balance your enthusiasm towards the Enneagram when not all your friends have jumped on board and how do you not bother anyone by bringing it up, but also as such a healthy tool, you probably want to share it with all your friends. So how have you guys found that balance in your circles?
0: Well, I'm certainly glad that we have each other. I feel like I think first find some people that you can talk about it with and that they're not annoyed and frustrated and ready for you to move on. But yes, it can be annoying. It can feel exclusive. It can feel like you're just putting way too much weight on it. If you talk about it a lot to people who aren't interested Or who have learned a little bit and don't care and they really don't want to hear you talk in numbers. Mm. Um, They really just want to be human with you. And so I feel like I was telling them the other night that I feel like the Enneagram is, it's like a menu of questions to Mm. ask people in conversation and in relationship. And so if I'm talking with someone and they're going through a situation, I can. I might be triggered, like you're saying in my head, of, yeah. that sounds like they sound kind of like this number. I wonder if this is the problem. I wonder if this is why they feel this way. Hmm. But I can ask that question and I don't have to say, well, based on the Enneagram, if you're a seven, then maybe you're afraid of completing that project because then you won't have anything to look forward to. You know, I don't have to phrase it under the umbrella of Enneagram. I can oh. Use it as like a menu of questions to ask people and and learn more about them. And it's not disingenuous. It's I I really do want to understand people and I love hearing people's stories and all of that. But not everybody wants to talk about numbers. So use it as a tool. And leave the jargon and the language out, but then do find some safe people that you can yes. let it out, let it all hang out,
2: and, <laughs> and talk, you know,
0: talk all your Enneagram nerd language. So, Marco yeah.
2: Polo the day. <laughs> yes, Marco Polo the day, anyway, absolutely. And if there is someone that you really want to be having the conversation with and they either have not seemed interested or it's not really resonating with them, then sharing your own story can kind of be that segue of, mm-hmm. Hey, this is how, you know, how this has changed me or how this has eliminated this thing about me. And even possibly giving them the right back to you and path between us and just say, Hey, would you read this chapter about me? I think it could help, you know, you to understand this. And then mm-hmm. as he's getting says, Typically, people don't just want to learn about you. They are going to flip around and try to figure out themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, just inviting them into the conversation. But yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be friends with a know-it-all or somebody who, like, won't stop talking about the thing that you don't want to hear about. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if, it, if it's an important person, then maybe trying in a gentle way. But then again, if you can just find one or two people that are open to talk about it. And even for us, when I've had these things of, I would love to be talking to so-and-so because I think this is their number and this is the story. But even just venting that out to friends that understand it feels good enough it's for about. me. It's like, okay, well, I've said yeah. it and that person doesn't really seem interested right now. And that's great. Like we can still be friends and of course not you can, you can be my friend and not care about the Instagram. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Vince was really, really uninterested. <laughs> and my husband, Vince. And I think kind of as as I was kind of discovering things about myself and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, like, I didn't realize, like, I am so horrible at taking criticism. Like, criticism, it, like, I can't, like, hold it in me. And he, like, all the things I was describing, he was like, yes, you didn't know that. And so I think that, like, <laughs> oh, he's like I deal with this every day. Oh, my gosh. And But as he saw, I think, a lot of things being, like, true about me, and, uh, you know, things I'm working on, and still not good at, but trying to kind of work on, I think it has given him like language for me. Yes. And so I think that like he's opening a little bit up to it just in like, not in talking about numbers. He, he doesn't mm-hmm. like the numbers. But in just, like, the questions and kind of how to move towards each other in conflict or how, why on vacation he, like, makes us live in two different time zones so we can have, like, the most fun of a vacation. It's like, oh, it's just 9 o'clock at home, but it's 11 o'clock here. And then in the morning, he switches time zones. So we're, like, up (laughs) earlier. Oh, my gosh. Um, And so so just kind of understanding (laughs) the the little, like, idiosyncrasies (laughs) about ourselves. And not even, like Claire said, not even having to talk about it being the any But Mm -hmm. just giving you, giving you like rhetoric and positive rhetoric and, you know, just good words to say Mm -hmm. to each other, um, Mm -hmm. I think is helpful. And everybody likes nice talk, right?
2: Surely. Surely.
3: Absolutely. Surely.
1: No matter what number. Right. (laughs) No, I love that. And I do hope that after this conversation, there has been more clarity gained and we can see that this isn't just like a cultural buzz. This isn't just like a popular thing right now. This has actually been like a a system that has stood the test of time and it's really enlightening and it's deeper than just you're this or you're that. And so hopefully, well, like you said, as people see your story, as they see how the Enneagram has helped you as a person, they're gonna be like, well, goodness, I wanna be a healthy person. And so this isn't just saying, do I like crowds or do I, am I, you know, do I like to be by myself? Or this is actually so much deeper, so much wider than that. And it's, it is really more for like health growth. And then there's spiritual connections. There's relational connections. So it really is a lot deeper. And I think when people just hear these numbers thrown around, they can kind of get the wrong idea about it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being with me today. Are there any so nice. yeah. so of course. Any last things we left out or any things you guys would add about Enneagram in general? I no? we hit it all. We hit it all. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, before you guys go, as you know, I like to end asking what's making your life beautiful. So, I'd love to hear other than the Enneagram or
2: you can't say the Enneagram,
1: <laughs> but for you three today, it's making your life beautiful. Well,
2: I'll go first. You can see the other two are processing. <laughs> yes,
0: this was not in my notes. I know. So <laughs> just clarifying for all the listeners. Yeah, we, 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 the alerts are going off was not prepared the
2: 7 is always ready I'm like what is beautiful the sun is <laughs> shining Hillary well,
3: she leaned in ready and you and I like that to wait for the microphone yeah. <laughs> yeah give me like 10 minutes in a quiet corner by myself uh, yeah. well
2: um, on Sunday I am leaving to go on a fantastic mm-hmm. anniversary trip with my husband so that is definitely making my life beautiful and I maybe in true 7 form uh, since it's a future event. <laughs> <laughs> we have been looking forward to it and planning for it. Um, it is for sure the thing that I am really really excited about and knowing that my sweet three babies are going to be taken care of oh yes they will my sister and my mom and my <laughs> mother-in-law so our sweet little village is that's right well now the fort
1: so. we're coming in we're ready for all the fun and all the playing and the snuggles <laughs> all right I know I threw it on you guys better what's making your life beautiful Claire or Joanna well,
3: I, I think in like future thinking fashion when you said that I was like oh yeah I know but it's making my life beautiful uh, my boys have been at Kina uh, this week. My oldest, this is his second year and my youngest this is his first time oh. at overnight camp. And, I am, like, really looking forward to what God showed them this week, mm. and we pick them up tomorrow, Um, and I'm just, like, really, really looking forward to it because mm. last year, the night that we picked them up, Reese, my oldest, he shared the gospel with Parker, and he became a Christian <gasps> in our hotel room oh, last year, and so oh it was just, goodness. like, so neat and so powerful, and I feel like I have that same kind of sense of anticipation going into tomorrow of what did God show you and how did he, you know, speak to you while you were at camp. So that's a good thought. I love that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think this
0: is a, it feels like a really simple thing, but lately... Uh, and Colton and I talked about this the other night, but lately we've just had a lot of free evenings. There just hasn't been a lot going on, and that has been so nice. Like just to put the kids to bed mm-hmm. and then have the freedom to decide what do we want to do. Do we want to watch something? Do we want to talk about something? Like yeah. just having the freedom. Um, we, ha- we just haven't had a lot of events to busy our schedule, and so. That has been very life-giving and just a fun way to spend the summer. And it's light longer, so you feel like you you can go and sit outside or whatever. It just feels like you have more day, and that is great to me.
1: I love it. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. All three of those things are really fun. <laughs> well, thank you once again for being with me, ladies. Just loved it so much. And I know our, we're going to get great response from this because you guys were just full of wisdom and encouragement and so down to earth. You made something that could seem really heady and overwhelming. You made it feel very doable and realistic. So thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us and being with us on this Enneagram journey. And really our highest hope, whether it's the Enneagram or some other vehicle. Our highest hope is that you are learning and growing and leaning into who you are, who God's made you to be. And as you learn more about yourself, you're definitely better able to live out your one uniquely beautiful story.
0: Thank you for listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McInerney. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now go live your own story.